strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! What the big voice guy just say? Temperature rising. 118. That was today's high temp. A new record for the day, Ron Wolfley. As you sit there in your palatial studio in the AC. So that was the record set here at home. We're not going to talk about the record set on the road. What I am going to say is less than 100 would be the number of days until the Cardinals' regular season opener at Tennessee, week number one. Got our pace ourselves. Do not get into a three-point stance just yet. But, man, are we getting closer and closer to, you know what, training camp, which begets the preseason games, and all of a sudden you're in the regular season and you turn on NFL Network, and just this past week you heard Nate Burleson say that if everything goes to plan with Julio Jones, the Tennessee Titans will have, quote, one of the greatest offenses of all time. Oh, my goodness, Wally. I'm telling you right now, I tend to believe that. I really do. And you know why? Because of the play-action pass. You can hammer the ball the way the Tennessee Titans will be able to hammer the ball with Derrick Henry in between the tackles. They love to go heavy personnel as well. They'll go 13 personnel. They'll go ahead and go 22 pair personnel. They'll put two tight ends in there, Paulie, two backs, and they'll hammer the ball. And yet they love to throw the ball over the middle of the field with Ryan Tannehill. And that is Julio Jones' time. So, boom, out of the gates. We're already getting into week one. We're just underway here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, the original Thursday night football. So the rookies are going to have to get ready for Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and now Julio Jones. Not just Zayvon Collins, but our special guest tonight. How about Victor Demukeji going to join us? Victor Demukeji. First of all, Demukeji, the best name you could have, you could have maybe on the back. It just sounds like a football name, does it not? I'm hoping. Demukeji, Paul. Here's our game plan, though, Wolf. As fun as it is to say Demukeji, yes. um, maybe we'll earn the right to call him Vic by the end of the show. Maybe just maybe Warren the right, because those who know him best, uh, they're afforded the ability to just call him Vic. I'm calling him Cage. I mean, that's Cage. There What's you up, go. Cage? Always doing the opposite, Wolf. Well, you always. know, Paul, I mean, always honestly, the right now, this guy, yeah. it's, it's quick. You can't, I mean, Vic, it's his first name. I get it. All right. You're shortening Victor to Vic. I understand that, Paul. But it, we're talking about locker room rules here. And that means, you know what, Cage. What's up, Cage? We're talking about a guy who graduated from Duke with a degree in evolutionary anthropology. <laughs> so, what are you trying to say, Paul? 
So I mean, this guy, he's well, 6'2", 265, Paulie. I really don't care what he went to school for, all right? Well, Just tell me he's not a finance major. Yeah, but we're not playing ball here. We're having a conversation, so try and keep up. A couple of ham and eggers like us. We could look bad pretty quickly. So, okay, just <laughs> what I'm saying is, okay, so, you know, the IQ difference will be stark, yes. and uh, that'll be coming up. But speaking of rookies on defense, did you catch Zayvon Collins meeting the media um, this past week? As a matter of fact, I did, Paulie, yeah. So what your thoughts on this? Well, you know, it's interesting because in some ways he's the 0.1% of the world right he's 6'5 he's 260 he can run he can play middle linebacker he's going to come in as a rookie and he's going to start and then he's just like everyone else when he can't find a house in this red hot real estate market the young man says the hardest thing he's had to do so far in his life is try and find a house in the phoenix metro area in this housing market yes so i can only imagine Polly. for the real estate yeah, you know what? Honestly, right now, I mean, think about it. You're you're looking for a house. You're a rookie, Paul. I, you know, and now listen, he's <laughs> he's paid very well. Would you say he's paid well, Paul? I would say that he's paid very well. Well, as people pointed out on Twitter, uh, the $8 million signing bonus should probably go a long way towards purchasing said house, but it is a seller's market. He might want to rent for a year. Um, so, you know, there's pressure, Wolf. There's pressure to find the house, and then we're going to hear from Zayvon Collins here. There's pressure to perform immediately. What you have to do, Polly, is you have to read Forbes a little bit more, okay? Forbes magazine, I'm telling oh, you, no. Polly, they're, saying, they're oh, no. saying that the Phoenix market is going to lead the country over the next five years. Now, again, who knows, Polly, if that's the case, but if if I am Zavin Collins, I'm buying a home, Paul. I'm going to buy a home, and I'm going to sit on it. Okay. When we're starting to take financial advice from Ron Wolfley, it's officially time to hear from Zavin Collins himself. When I say there's pressure, we're talking about the football end right now Zavin I love pressure um, that's a lot of pressure I love it it's a good thing it means people expect a lot out of you with you know being a high draft pick people expect that you know it comes with it you can't be a high draft pick and then not do anything you know so um, that's something that's that I look forward to Man, I, I, Paulie, I hope he really means that honestly right now. And there's no reason to believe that Zayvon Collins does not. I hope he embraces that because that's exactly what he's got to do, Paulie. You've got to expect, you've got to embrace the pressure, right? Tony LaRusso was famous for saying this, and it's one of the most salient things I think I've heard in, in the last decade. He was talking about how you've got to make pressure your friend. You have to embrace it. And the guys that are good in pressure pack situations, for whatever reason, don't allow the outside influences, so to speak, to impact how they play. They embrace the pressure and make it their friend, and I think that's exactly what Zayvon Collins has got to do. And look, he's not just a rookie. He's not just a starter from day one. He's calling the defense. I mean, he's got the green dot. He's responsible for lining guys up. Now, Vance Joseph did say he's going to remove some of the leadership responsibilities that typically could go with playing Mike Linebacker. He's outsourcing those to J.J. Watt and Buda Baker and those kind of guys. But, you know, there's a lot, obviously, to process. Thank goodness for his sake, there is a preseason. But when it comes regular season, guess what? That's going to be unlike anything he's ever played that brand of ball and he talked about that this week 
you haven't really seen the true speed of the game yet. You haven't really seen, you know, what guys do, how guys are, because it's been mostly a, a lower tempo. Trying to understand how all these moving parts work and how they benefit us, you know, situationally. As a mic, knowing that stuff is very important to give, you know, alerts, give a heads up, tell guys what we're thinking right here, especially when I get the call in on the on the helmet. So um, that's been kind of the curveball for me is learning that stuff, but it's something that I'm, I'm getting a grasp on. Paulie, this is going to be a tough go. I'm just saying right now, you know last year how I was talking about Isaiah Simmons and the fact that you just can't move him all over the field. You just can't do that. I wanted to see the Arizona Cardinals slowly move Isaiah Simmons into the weak side inside linebacker position and let him actually get his footing underneath him. And I will not come off that, Paul. I still believe this is a situation where Zayvon Collins is going to get roughed up. He's going to. But what I love about this is Zayvon Collins, I think, learns. He learns from what I'm told. He learns quickly. He's got a great brain, and he actually learns from doing. And then, Paul, once you make a mistake, it's one of the best lessons you could possibly learn out on, out on a football field. It is. You don't forget it very soon after you get beat, and suddenly it's, it's a mark on you, and you sit there and watch it on film, and everyone in the room is watching you make a mistake that costs the team. Now, it might only be a first town that it costs the team, might, might be a touchdown, whatever it is, but, Paulie, this is, this is a situation where, once again, he's going to get roughed up. It's just how quickly he's going to be able to assimilate. And he admitted to the media, he's already messed it up in rookie minicamp. Yeah. And in mandatory minicamp, he's messed up entire defensive calls, and they've had to stop the drill and go, you know, in seven on seven. And so that's going to be part of the process. There, there's no doubt about that. But you know what? When Buda Baker says on his own, unprompted, out of nowhere, that the young guy at linebacker knows football. That gives you hope when a Buda Baker brings that up, that they can tell already, okay, he's got a chance here. Vance Joseph was asked about playing the two young guys, Isaiah Simmons, limited action a year ago, no preseason alongside the rookie Zayvon Collins. Here's the Cardinals defensive coordinator. I think as a coach, you have to understand it's going to be some bad downs, but also on the flip side, it's going to be plays that those two guys can make that other guys can't make. It's our job as a staff, mine especially, to put players first and scheme second. You know, and to let those guys unlock those bodies and just play. Man, I love that, Paul. I really do. Players first, scheme second, right? It's, Paul, never forget that. It's it's about the players. It's never about the play. I should say, I don't want to, I don't want to reduce play calling to some some ridiculous level. I don't want to do that, Polly, but it it's about the player and players making plays. You got to let players go out there and play fast and make plays and I really think that is what Vance Joseph is going to do this year with these two inside guys. These guys that are learning, these guys that have huge upside, Polly. Huge upside. I these guys that I think are going to make a lot of plays. Uh, Billy Davis, I love the fact Billy Davis was talking about deflected passes, right, Paulie? <laughs> passes defensed and what he expects, Zaven Collins at 6'5", and Isaiah Simmons at 6'4", to be able to get their hands on a lot of balls thrown over the middle. This is going to be really interesting to watch early on in the season. How many times have you brought up Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman? Yes. So many times already, Wolf, that I think it's a drinking game over the frat houses Just at ASU. Okay, That's it, how often Paul. you've brought it up. Stop and Vance it. Joseph brought it up on his own because he was on the Niners staff when Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman 
got their start together as two young guys, especially Patrick Willis starting right away as a rookie. And what did he do? He simplified it so they didn't have to think and they could play fast. And that goes for Isaiah Simmons as well. In fact, Isaiah Simmons has been asked recently here about his comfort level in Vance Joseph's D. I would say I've, I've made very large strides with my comfort, just being able to learn the system more. And um, this offseason, I've really focused in on, you know, tuning into the fine details of multiple positions. Um, you know, I've taken it upon myself not to only learn my position, but the people around me, just so I can not only be another coach on the field and help people out, but as well as it'll help me play faster, just knowing where everybody else is going to be. Oh, that's awesome, man. Ding, 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 ding. We've got a winner right there, Paulie, with Isaiah Simmons. And oh, by the way, he's actually going to have a full training camp and maybe even a preseason. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? We're sitting here out talking last year about Isaiah Simmons and how they were going to move him around. And man, I just wanted to see him play weak side inside linebacker. And then you don't get preseason games to go out there and play that. What a nightmare scenario that was for a young inside linebacker. Thank goodness Zayvon Collins is going to have a preseason. And what did we learn recently about Isaiah Simmons from Bill Davis, the inside linebackers coach? That, well, not only was he not just playing weak side inside linebacker, he was being coached up at six different positions a year ago. Think about that. Think about Isaiah Simmons. They used him in six different positions because there was a Devondre Campbell, who at the time was a better option, at least at the start of the season. So... To what degree are they going to streamline his job responsibilities and he can excel accordingly? We'll see about that. What we do know is Victor Demukeji is next, the Cardinals' six-round pick. The comp is Marcus Golden. We'll see what he thinks about that next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. another guy that um, adding a, a big, thick, strong outside linebacker, I was excited about. He started every single game he played in college. I think it was 46, 47 straight games. And Charlie Bullen and I, Quinn Harris and I, we, we went to the pro day. The coaches start talking about this guy and, you know, they just light up. The kid's all business. They say he's the alpha of the group. Uh, they actually use the word scary to describe him. So um, <laughs> you know, no one messes with the guy. So you get that alpha personality with a Duke degree. It's kind of rare. Man, what a great scouting report from Drew Grigson a few weeks ago. In fact, right after the draft here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, that's the Cardinals' director of player personnel, talking about the Cardinals' sixth-round pick out of Duke. A starter as a true freshman, Wolf started all 49 games he played in during his four-year career, finished second career, most sacks all time in Duke history, had a three-and-a-half sack game against Boston College last year, a semifinalist for the Ronnie Lott Impact Trophy given to the college defensive player who makes the biggest impact for his team on and off the field. You can appreciate that, Wolf, as someone who got blowed up by Ronnie Lott more than once. (laughs) And I covered Ronnie Lott, so I have the ultimate respect on that one. Appreciate that, Paul. (laughs) It is all about you, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. And that is our intro for Victor Demukeju, who joins us on the Big Red Rage. Victor, how are we doing? I'm doing well. How y'all doing? Uh, Doing great, Victor. Really, really appreciate you joining us right now. Talk a little bit about football. Talk a little ball. What does football mean to you, Victor? Um, football means a lot to me. Um, I started playing around the eighth grade. Um, didn't really know a lot about the sport when I moved from Nigeria. But um, once I started playing, you know, I fell in love with the game. 
um, you know, I have passion for the game. And, um, you know, it means a lot to me right now. I'm just trying to play as long as possible. You moved from Nigeria with your family when you were eight? Um, actually, it was kind of like a roller coaster. So um, I was born in Nigeria. I moved to North Carolina with my family around the age of three. Went back to Nigeria around the age of five. And then me and my family moved to Baltimore around the age of eight. So, so Victor, is there any football in Nigeria? Does anyone play football, American football, in Nigeria? (laughs) Um, When I was there, no. You know, I played soccer when I was younger, but I didn't know anything about football until I got here. You know, there's this stat. I I just got to get to this. Because when you were drafted, we were talking about the Cardinals draft class, and this stood out. You bench pressed 225 pounds 32 times as a high school junior I mean, that's got to be a typo. Is, is that correct, Victor? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was actually – I actually did more in high school than I did um, at my pro day. I was, I was pretty strong coming out of high school. So, Victor, tell us, wow. how did you get to Duke? Um, yeah, so my freshman year, I went to Newtown High School, which is a um, small um, public school in Baltimore County. Um, and then, like, um, I, um, Boys Latin High School in um, Baltimore reached out to me, which is a private school, um, a prestigious private school known for their academics. Um, so I spent three years there. Once I transferred there, you know, I had schools like Harvard, Duke, Notre Dame, like all the big schools, and also, like, some of the football schools in the ACC and Big Ten reached out to me. So um, that's really um, how I ended up at Duke. Um, you know, just the academic piece from my high school um, kind of helped me um, get into Duke. We're we're just a couple of ham and eggers here, Victor. All right. So so when you graduate with a degree in evolutionary anthropology, how demanding was that? Oh man, it was tough. Um, my freshman year, I had to I had to learn quick because trying to balance um you know academics with football, starting as a true freshman, um you know it was definitely tough my freshman year. But um as time went on, you know I was able to like play faster, um learn how to take care of my time wisely, and um just know how to balance everything. So, Victor, why did you choose Duke personally? Um, you know, after talking to my family, my mom and dad, you know, they mean a lot to me. And, um, you know, they, they kind of advised me to go there. And also, you know, I felt like Duke was the best place for me. Um, I, I like the defensive scheme. And um, they kind of offered the best of both worlds when it comes to academics and football. Um, of course, football don't last forever, so I felt like Duke was the best place for me, um, not only thinking about my my NFL career, but also like after football. If I chose to go back to school, I felt like I would want that degree to do whatever I want to do after playing football. So what was it about the defensive scheme that you liked so much, Victor? Um, you know, just um, talking to Coach Albert, my defensive line coach, um, you know, I just liked how I fit into the defense. You know, we were attack-style defense. You know, get off the ball. You know, get in your mm-hmm. face type defense, single care defense. And um, you know, I kind of liked how I fit in that system. And um, you know, they had the good plan for me coming in, so I felt like that was the best place for me. Right, let's talk about why the Cardinals chose Victor Demukeji, and let's go back to that conversation we had in the Big Red Rage right after the draft. Director of Player Personnel Drew Grigson and Wolf, you were chopping it up with him at one point. You guys were talking about the Cardinals' six-round pick, who's six-two, two-sixty-two, Drew Grigson. He's going to be a hard-charging ball of muscle for us. He just plays with a relentless motor. Reminded me of Marcus Golden when I watched him, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And he's got uh, a great last name when you think about it, Debu It just It's oh, going to sound really absolutely. good and look good on the back of a jersey. Tough to figure out you know, when you're first looking at him. You just call him Vic.
<laughs> there you go, <laughs> Drew Grigson. So let me ask you, uh, Vic, if we can call you that, uh, Marcus Golden, do you agree with that comp? Now that you've seen Marcus Golden, at least in the mandatory mini mini camps, what do you think about the comp? Oh, Marcus Golden, he's a great player. That's actually one of the guys I've been around um, through our OTAs and mini camp. You know, I've learned a lot from him. Um, he's a great leader, and I actually like knew about him um, when he was coming out of college. Um, I've watched a lot of him, and he's a great player. He plays with a lot of effort. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, he's a guy that you respect when you put on the tape. You see 100% effort. You see that motor. You see the relentlessness. And um, you know, that's that's a great comparison because honestly, um, he's been in the league for a while. He had some good seasons, and um, you saw what he did once he um, got to the Cardinals last year. So, you know, um, just learning from him, trying to get as much knowledge as I can from him. You know, that would take me a long way. Victor, you were drafted in the sixth round. Did you expect to be drafted in the sixth round? Um, honestly, like with the draft, I already knew how that went. You know, you really never know where when you're gonna get drafted. You know, anything can happen. So, I knew I was gonna get drafted like between four through six, somewhere around there. But mm-hmm. I didn't really try to focus on that. I just tried to just you know enjoy the time with my family and whenever my name was called, you know, just embrace the moment. You mentioned Marcus Golden. What about Chandler Jones? Have you had a chance to interact with Chandler? I know he wasn't at the mini camp, but maybe in some of the Zoom meetings or some other meetings around the facility. And, you know, we talked to Zach Allen, Cardinals defensive lineman. In his time at Boston College, he would study tape of J.J. Watt. And now he's sharing a position room and getting text messages from J.J. Watt. So I'm curious, to what degree had you studied uh, Chandler Jones over the last few years just as one of the premier pass rushers in all the land? Well, now that's a guy. Yeah, I started a lot of Chandler Jones. You know, he's been doing this for years. Um, he averages around like ten sacks a year. So I've kept up with him. Um, he's one of the best at what he does. And um, I've actually in- interacted with him on Zoom calls, and I met him one time in person. So um, just having that guy in the room, you know, that's a guy. That's another guy I could learn a lot from. You know, um, you know, I could pick his brain. Um, and I definitely look up to him. You know, he's done a lot in this league, and um, you know, I hopefully um, hope to get there one day. Victor, do you like playing over a tight end? Do you like that? Do you prefer the open side, or do you like playing over a tight end? Um, honestly, I like doing both. Um, I feel like I could do both. I could play the Sam and the Will. Um, I've been learning both since I got here, so I feel like whenever you know, whenever my number is called, whenever it's time to go in, wherever the coaches want me to fit in or want me to play, I feel like I'm ready to play it. Do you feel like you can hold up at the point of attack on the edge? Do you feel like you can set that edge, Victor? Um, actually, I feel like that's one of the things I do really well. Um, I feel like I'm I'm violent at the point of attack, and um, you know, I'm very you know, I have a motor. I know how to set the edge. Um, you know, it's all about getting the ball and having great hand placement. And I feel like I do a really good job with that. We're on board with Victor Demukeji, the Cardinals' sixth-round pick. And and a guy that Charlie Bolin, the outside linebackers coach, uh, he really had a big affinity for you. Drew Grigson mentioned that as well. Tell us about how you two connected. And, and did you get a sense in the evaluation process that, you know what, if I'm going to go anywhere, the Cardinals might be one of those teams just based on Charlie Bolin and how bullish he was on you? Um, yeah, the Cardinals is actually one of the first teams I actually met with, like, um, uh, most of the coaching staff. Um, I think this was around January. And then I really didn't, like, keep in contact, or we didn't really talk as much until Pro Day. Um, so when Coach Bullen, um showed up to Pro Day, we had a meeting the day after Pro Day. And, like, I didn't really know that, you know, I was, I was on their radar. So I really didn't know a lot about Arizona. 
Um, and then just when I got the call, I was ecstatic because, you know, I didn't I didn't really know that Arizona like Arizona was actually looking at me. I didn't know what to expect. So once I saw that Phoenix number on my phone, you know, I was so excited because um, I know Coach Bullen is a great coach. You know, just the um, Zoom calls I had with him and just the interactions I had with him at Pro Day, you know, I, I was excited to, you know, just play for a coach like that. Victor, where do you think you can actually contribute? Where can you play on special teams? Um, I feel like I could play all four. You know, um, as a rookie, you want to um, come in and make an impact however possible on the defensive side of the ball or, you know, punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. I feel like I, I have to, I have to, you know, put in some work and um, get out any special teams possible. How, and I feel like I could help the team in all four. Yeah, I'm sorry, Victor. How, how much did you play in transition on special teams at Duke? Um. I played kickoff. I played a lot of kickoff um, and kickoff return. And then um, my senior year, I played more like punt and punt return, more like punt, more punt return, like blocking and rushing the punter. Um, you know, that was more of my role senior so you, year. But earlier in my career, I played more of like the kickoff, kickoff return side. Yeah, you totally have experience playing on special teams. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's good, man. That's going to help you big time, bro. How about J.J. Watt? Give us some first impressions, what you see in your takeaways from number 99. Oh, yeah, he's he's different, you know. You see um, you see how he works. You see how he's different when he walks in the building. You know, he's a, well, he's a well-respected guy. You know, he puts in the extra work um, in the training room, you know. Um, in the weight room, he just he's he's a pro. He um he's the definition of a pro. He does everything the right way. And um, you know, I actually got some extra work with him after one of the um, mini camp days. You know, I was just able to learn, pick his brain, and learn some stuff from him, just doing different drills, and um, just seeing like what he does to like or like what he did to like get him to the position he's at today. And um, you know, just being around him, you know, makes me better. And, you know, that's another guy on this team that, you know, I have to get to know and, like, be around because I hopefully um, want to be as good as them one day. And, and, you know, he wears 99, obviously. You wear 92. For Wolf and myself on this show, for five years our player host was Bertrand Berry, who wore number 92, yep. had a Pro Bowl season 2004, 14 and a half sacks, and he's now one of our Cardinals broadcasters. He was on the Red Sea Report. And, Victor, he was asked about you wearing number 92 Bertram Berry B-Train. If you're going to wear that number, you better be able to get after quarterback. Because I don't want people riding the pine with the number 92. <laughs> that, that number is not to be on the sidelines soaking up Gatorade and all that kind of stuff. It's <laughs> meant to be out there on the field getting after quarterbacks and making big plays. It's associated with greatness and handsomeness. So if you're going to wear that number, you better be good at what you do, and you better be a good-looking stud. So, so, so there you go. There's your. If you're wondering what your goals are this this year, your rookie season, okay, you got to play good and you got to look good, according to Bertrand Berry. I feel like I got the good looks already. I just got to play good now. <laughs> That's good. See, you're you're already halfway there. You know, you, you got that self confidence that you know you looked the part. Like just like B Train always knew he looked the part, right? It was it was the clean or fresh look, right, Wolf? That's what I always yeah, used to say, no, right? There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, so, Victor, have they told you how they plan on using you, Vance Joseph? I mean, is it just going to be edge, edge, edge all the time? Um, honestly, um, you know, I really. I really, I'm not really sure right now. Like once I got here, we just started learning plays, um, learning both the salmon and wheel positions, um, learning stuff on special teams. So like, 
right now they just want me to learn the playbook and then um after training camp we'll see from there are you still in phoenix by the way are you still in arizona yes i'm actually in chandler right now yes nice so what'd you think of 118 degrees today how you handling (laughs) the big heat hey this this is way different you know i have to drink more water I'm, i'm trying to get used to it I haven't been around anything like this before. But, I mean, it's great weather, though, so I can't complain. Victor, we look forward to meeting you in person, big guy. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Victor. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys having me. There you go. Boy, there it is, Paulie. Man, you know, something tells me, just a a first reaction, first takeaway, uh, yeah, it's a complex defense, but uh, considering – his academic credentials in that conversation, I'm guessing he's picking up the defense pretty quickly. So, and if he's play, able to play special teams, guess what? He will see the field. There's no doubt about it. We continue with a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Murray back to throw. Flushed out. Rolling left in trouble. Slips a tackle. Got to launch it. He does. Left side into the end zone. Jump ball. And it is... Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown with one second left! I can't believe it! You've got to be joking me! Hopkins reaches off with three defenders around him and pulls it in! And the Cardinals lead it 32 to 30 with a second left! You can't cover Duke! You're not going to be able to cover him! Throw the ball off! Multiple headlines screamed play of the NFL season, the play of the NFL season. And guess what? You can speak and vote that into existence when you vote the Hale Murray for best play of the 2021 SBs. ESPN.com slash SBs to cast your vote. The game-winning 43-yard touchdown with two seconds to play against three Buffalo defenders. Up goes the football. Down comes DeAndre Hopkins. That's how it sounded. Wolf and Dave Pash on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. And special thanks to Victor Demukeji. Think about it, Wolf. The biggest moment to start camp is always when they go full contact, full pads, and here we go, O-line against D-line. Am I wrong? Yeah, Polly. No, you're right about that. Absolutely. Let and- the fur fly. And think about some of the matchups, right? DJ Humphreys against Chandler Jones. J.J. Watt against uh, Justin Pugh or Brian Winters. Alecky Fotu <laughs> against Rodney Hudson making Hello. his debut. You got a Victor Demukeji, Marcus Golden going against Kelvin Beecham. Think of some of the heavyweight battles and the matchups you're going to get when they finally put on the pads. This is one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, Paulie. Obviously, uh, a training camp. Wouldn't that be nice, Paul? <laughs> a yes. training camp where we can yep. actually watch these guys go out and ball out, right? We actually can walk around and watch some practice once again in just absorb the physicality of training camp. And Victor Demukeji is a guy that I'm very, very interested in. I loved our conversation with him. But, Paulie, here's a guy who's 6'2". He's really not 6'2". He's just under 6'2", Paulie. Okay? But you're 6'2", and you're 265. Yeah, a ball of muscle, <laughs> indeed. I, I mean, Wolf, when you asked him if he can set the edge, I mean, I wanted to blurt out, he's 6'2", 265. Yeah, I mean, Paulie, that's a rhetorical a no, question, no, no, Wolf. Of no, course no, he can no, set no. the edge. See, this is exactly why you're on the sideline, Paul, <laughs> and you're not in the booth, all right? Because, listen, Paulie, just because you're 6'2", 265, you could have a heart of butter. You, I mean, seriously. 
There's a just because you're a big guy, I can't tell you how many big guys I've seen out on the field soft as butter. And by the way, oh my goodness, when you ran into one of those guys, you tormented him the entire game. Well, look, this guy is not soft as butter. That's my point. Yeah, the Cardinals have upgraded. I think we would agree in the trenches. And that was definitely an area of improvement that Steve Kime targeted, whether it's a Rodney Hudson or a J.J. Watt, et cetera. But the question we debated recently was uh, which position group is poised for the biggest improvement from last year to this season? And you know what I threw out there, Wolf? What'd you throw out, Polly? Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Because unless your name was DeAndre Hopkins, when it came to yards after catch, your first name was Jack and your last name was Squat. <laughs> they got a lot of nothing out of anybody not named DeAndre Hopkins. And so now if you're putting A.J. Green out there and he's outside, and that sends Christian Kirk back inside, and and, and now and Rondell Kirk. Moore is being added, right? So you have all these guys, and a number of these guys are improved at deals the last year of their contracts. I just think you're poised to get a lot more production out of that receiver room. Agree or disagree? No, Paulie. I, listen, I, I think you're right on that. I do. I would say cornerback. I'm looking at cornerback and I'm looking at wide receiver. I think you're right on the wide receiver thing if, in fact, you're talking about an upgrade. But a lot of that is because I still believe Christian Kirk. Something happened to Christian Kirk last year. We've talked about it all offseason, Paulie, but something happened to him. If you go back and you look at the first eight games of 2020, go back and look at it, Paul. It was completely different than the last eight games, and I want to know why that is. He had a six-game stretch where cumulative total he had 145 yards receiving. Yes. He just he disappeared. He disappeared, Paulie. Exactly right. I expect bounce back. All right. What do we expect out of A.J. Green? I think that's one of the big questions. Uh, there was a national football guy who stole my take that A.J. Green is poised to become the NFL comeback player of the year, which, of course, <laughs> I stole from former Cardinal and his former Bengals teammate, Frosty Rucker. In fact, let's go back to the Big Red Rage earlier this offseason. Here's Frosty on A.J. Green. Well, I think A.J. Green has a lot left. I think his time was just up in Cincinnati playing on turf, practicing on turf and, you know, sub-zero temperatures in December and things like that. I think uh, it was his time to break loose of that. He's a pro bowl player, top of the game, a guy that can really go up and get the ball, great teammate, never hear anything bad about him. Uh, the receiver group is just getting stronger. And if A.J. gets enough footballs this year, he may just be comeback player of the year. Your reaction? Well, you know what, Polly, honestly, uh, A.J. Green, I think a change of scenery is going to do him so much good. I really do. A change of scenery. Here's a guy, Paul. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler, Paul. (laughs) Would you say that is the consummate professional right there? Do you think he was sick and tired of practicing outside? They don't have an indoor practice bubble in Cincinnati. Yeah. So they practice on the turf and the sub-zero temperatures for like two months of the year. Right, Polly. And and again, yeah, I, I think that will be it'll be nice for him coming out here and and actually playing in a little bit of heat maybe and and actually doing it on natural grass practicing on absolutely all of that but i think more than anything just a change of scenery is going to up the intensity level it's going to re introduce the game so to speak to him because here's a guy that has just been the consummate pro he's been a seven-time pro bowler once again uh, a guy that i think is a future hall of famer and now all of a sudden he's he's got everything's going to be new to him paul 
Everything is going to be new. The entire day is going to be different for him, and that can really hit the well, refresh button for a lot of veterans. Plus, think about it. He, he he had the lowest percentage of catchable passes thrown his way last year from three different yeah. Bengals quarterbacks. So he's going to have the accuracy of Kyler Murray. He's also going to be two years removed from the foot injury, and maybe most importantly, he's not going to be the number one focus of secondaries because DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the guy drawing the double team. To what degree does that free up an A.J. Green? And then if you add a Rondell Moore as a guy who's really wreaking havoc, in fact, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about his second-round rookie. He did a lot of it in college. Uh, you can look at the film, and, and uh, I thought Coach Brown there produced a tremendous job getting him the ball in all sorts of different creative ways, and, and that was certainly one of them. But he, he's very good in the open field, making the first guy miss. He has a knack at you know some of those plays. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to be fun to try and draw stuff up for and, and see how many times we can get it to him. And the specific question, Wolf, was on him being a threat with jet motion, some of the jet sweeps and, and really being that eye candy to distract yeah. defenses. Yeah, and that is going to distract defenses. There's no doubt about that. Look, everybody, it's 5'7". Here it comes. It's 5'7". Oh, by the way, 4'2'9 is what this guy can run. And, yeah, there's no doubt. I think that's going to have an impact on this offense in 2021. But, Paulie, more than anything, it's not the horizontal to me. And I've talked to you about this. It, it is the vertical. To me, if you tell me that Rondell Moore can run by people and attack a defense downfield vertically, man, that's going to open everything else up horizontally. That is, to me, going to be the key to Rondell Moore and his success, attack vertically. I agree. But if you can get the ball to him in space, yes, his rep is that he's going to make you miss. Yeah, there's a stat out there that nobody made the first tackler miss more in college football in the past decade than Rondell Moore in 2018 when he had his only full healthy season at Purdue. And by the way, right. was a consensus All-American as a true freshman. Right, but if he's going to run by you, that's going to make you as a DB back up. Sure. And when you back up, now the horizontal stuff comes into play. All right, we continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. over the middle, caught by Sims at the 45 and dumped immediately by Murphy. Job right there, Byron Murphy in man cover. Byron Murphy really growing. Throws it. End zone near side. Broken up by Murphy. Was there against Taylor. Byron Murphy, one-on-one in the back of the end zone. Made a play on the ball. Here it is. Fourth and five for the Niners on the 16 of the Cardinals. Garoppolo to pass. Throws to the right side. Incomplete. Murphy steps in front of the receiver and knocks the ball down. The Cardinals take over on downs with 33 seconds to go. Byron Murphy makes a play on the pig. Oh, that is big time. What a play by Byron Murphy. It's number seven now, by the way, Wolf. When you watch Byron Murphy out of the field, you got to tell yourself, okay, Buddha's number three. Isaiah Simmons is number nine. There's James Connery's number six. Uh, Chase Edmonds, number two. Call him Deuce. He likes that. So there you go. Number seven. <laughs> Byron Murphy. Yeah, Paulie, that is going to be really, really different, man. Uh, we're definitely going to need a roster when we <laughs> walk around training camp. That's right. Uh, better have a spotting board uh, ready to go for the preseason games uh, just for the Cardinals' own players, the way they've changed numbers. It is a Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And a Cardinals secondary, that's intriguing. I mean, 
there's the potential of what could be. There's also a lot of unknowns. I'll make one definitive statement. Are you ready for this, Ron Wolfley? Not really, but go ahead. Byron Murphy, I think we would agree, and we agree on very little in life and football, but Byron Murphy will hit you, will he not? Yes, he will. He's not afraid to tackle, and he's very good at it. Malcolm Butler had over 100 tackles last year for Tennessee. Alpha, alpha ball. I mean, you talk to guys about Malcolm Butler, like, oh, he'll fight you now. Yeah, right. And then uh, Robert Alford, would you say he's a physical corner? <laughs> Might be the biggest dog on the team. Okay, just saying. Yeah. Okay. Just saying. Nobody's going to believe okay. me. Oh, he hasn't played Wolf in two years. right? Hey, listen. You watch Robert Alford in training camp, and you tell me who's a dog. So here's what I'm saying. The Cardinals have the hardest-hitting group of cornerbacks in the NFL. I see where you're going with The that. nastiest, most physical group of cornerbacks in the NFL. My question to you is... How much does that get you? Is that in a quarter get you a cup of coffee? I mean, how how valuable, how imperative is it to have corners who can hit and tackle and willing yeah. run force, et cetera? Well, when you've got guys like Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, Paul, you know what? Honestly, I love that because you can take those corners. You can walk up and you play press man. You can jam, play press man, try to try to jump these wide receivers right from the line of scrimmage and then hope that your your defensive line and your, your box players, of course, will be able to get home and get that pressure on a quarterback. If you can jam a receiver and not allow him to get off the line quickly and get a clean release – now, all of a sudden, Paulie, that pass rush becomes that much more effective. As I tell you, you watch the corners. Malcolm Butler, obviously, he's proven. Robert Alford, Buda Baker said, and this is a loose quote, he said that Robert Alford's been out here locking stuff up. And so, I mean, okay, <laughs> I mean, Paul, so. Is that a surprise to you, though? No, I no, mean, not again, at all. We've no. seen him, man, if he can only stay healthy. And I know yeah. everyone's tired of hearing that, but it's the truth. And it's not like he's coming off some horrendous knee injury like a Tyron Matthew. He had a torn pec. Yes. And the year before that, he had a a fractured leg. So, I mean, these are, these are injuries you can easily come back from, and it won't impact your game, theoretically. Now he's a little bit older, obviously, and hasn't played a full season since 2017. So you have that. You have Malcolm Butler. But those aren't the guys that Vance Joseph started with when he was asked about his cornerback room. I think it starts with Murphy. You know, I mean, he's been the mainstay for three years, but he's played a lot of snaps, and you can see his growth. He's so much more comfortable. He's growing into his body. He's working. He knows the system. Um, he can be a special player for us, and he can be one of our better players on defense. Right when I heard Vance Joseph say that, Paul, I got to tell you, I was jacked up. I was, I mean, honestly, uh, Byron Murphy is where he started. I you got a couple of dogs in Malcolm Butler and and Robert Alford guys that once again yeah I I know they're a little long in the tooth I understand that Malcolm Butler last year didn't have the kind of Malcolm Butler year until maybe the last six games of the season but still uh, Malcolm Butler when you take his body of work when you take Robert Alford's body of work before the last two years I mean these guys are good starting corners in the National Football League, and he starts with Byron Murphy. Yeah. So, once again, it's just you don't know exactly what you're going to get in that corner room. The potential is there, but there's a big question mark on Robert Alford. Malcolm Butler, which guy is he based on last year? You're right. It was an inconsistent season for him if, if you talk to folks. You know, Byron Murphy, if he's ready to take that, that next step, what does that mean? And then you watch the two rookies, and I tell you, just the visual – 
of a nearly six foot one Marco Wilson with all that athleticism who's yeah. able to play inside and outside. And Vance Joseph raves about a guy who started from day one as a true freshman at Florida, and he's gone against SEC receivers for four years, and he knows all these different schemes. And then Tay Gowan, who's over six one as a corner, just the size and the right. athleticism. If you hit on one of those two rookie corners, then you know what? Uh, that's no longer an area of concern. You're secondary. Yeah, no, you're right, Polly. It's the rookies overall that I find fascinating as well. Obviously, Zayvon Collins is going to play. And hold on to your butts. That's all I'm going to say right now. And that's not an attack on Zayvon Collins at all. It's just an acknowledgement of how difficult it is to come in from the college level into the National Football League and master a defense, master defensive schemes and master calling defenses and going out and playing when you're a Mike linebacker. It's a difficult proposition. Having said that, once again, it's going to be fascinating to watch Zayvon Collins. Rondell Moore is going to play a lot, I would imagine. Marco Wilson, to your point, and maybe Tay Gowan. Ah, I think Victor Dimukeji, the guy yep. we talked to tonight. It's going to be interesting to see where he falls on this team and if in fact he can make the 53 man roster bully and if he does he's gonna have to play special teams all right so as we wrap up this edition of the big red rage wolf i know you count on me to bring you two areas you need uh one a prop bet and two a power pole i'm out of here paul prop bet (laughs) right now the most popular bet for 2021 nfl mvp is baker mayfield Okay. The most, the highest percentage of cash being put on a single player to win NFL MVP is being wagered on Baker Mayfield. Okay. And then you had from Next Gen Stats, which NFL offensive line was the best and the worst at limiting pressure in 2020? Number one in the NFL at limiting pressure, preventing hurries, the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> How about that? Oh, we all know the Cardinals offensive line. They can't play. Special thanks, Jim Omohundra on vacation, Jeff Darge, Cody Fincher for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. Also, thanks to Victor Dimukeji. This has been the Big Red Rage. Number one, Kyler Murray! You've been listening to the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.